I was doing yoga and I saw this dude with one of those ribbon dancer pole things. And I was like, what is this guy doing? And he's like, hey, you want to try this? It doesn't matter. You're overthinking. <laughs> like the trout's not like, but oh, that was beautiful. I'm going for that one. <laughs> you know, I cannot tell you how many times I have fallen in and then it hurts my ego a little bit because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's witnesses. <laughs> it's like Mario Kart, but not like I, <laughs> I'm waiting for them like this smash my banana or whatever. The master was once a beginner. Like you have to be a beginner at everything at some point in your life. Hey y'all, this is Rebecca Litz and y'all are listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. There's a lot of people that can pull the trigger on an animal but they don't know what to do with it after. If you would have told me that a stupid turkey was going to make me get that excited, I'd have told you you were crazy. It's just a skill that you have to perfect over a lot of years. Hunting is a tribal activity. We've lost the tribe. We can't even hunt together anymore. Well, the people that are anti-hunting are usually pro-abortion. So kill the people, save the animals. I just remember riding my horse back to camp with the northern lights and the moose behind me, and I'm like, this is why I've done this. This is as cool as an experience as I will get. Hi, this is Jim Shockey. This is Sam Sohol, the public land bus guy. Hi, I'm Kimmy Greentree. Hi, this is South Cox with the Western Bowhunter Podcast. Hey, this is Ben Dedamonte, a.k.a. Shed Crazy. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Today, I am sitting down with angler, army vet, Rebecca Lentz. Uh, and I guess congratulations are also in order. Soon to be uh, Lady Angler Baker, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hello. Well, I think we're going to stick to the lady angler lens just because it has a nicer ring, but I will take the new last name for sure. <laughs> Got a, it, it does have a lady angler baker. That just kind of sounds confusing. It's like, okay, is she a 
fishing yeah. and baking fishing on the river. Fishing and baking is that kind of a? I mean, I'd like to see that because mostly <laughs> what I picture is like an inflatable raft with like full like chef outfit and uh, a yes. full like stove oven setup, and you baking uh, well going through the rapids yeah um, but i want i want the spatula so i can also do like the uh hibachi chef would be like ting 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 and oh yeah yes. that'd be that, awesome that's like that's the idea there backcountry fishing and hibachi tours <laughs> a very small niche very small <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's a very narrow audience for this this group but yeah. i think you can make it work <laughs> I got big dreams. (laughs) 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 I would love it just to start out. If you could give folks quick introduction of who you are and generally like, how did you get your introduction into fly fishing or fishing in general? Well, um, actually, I've, I'm still a novice. I've only been fishing for a little bit over a year, fly fishing. I have tried fishing, but I have horrible ADHD and I'm stir crazy. Like, I'm constantly, <laughs> I, I have to be messing with something, moving around, doing something. And for my birthday last year, I asked my now fiance, Joshua, just I wanted to drive through the Ozarks. So we're just driving around because we drive around or we go camp and do things like that. And he's like, can we pull over? Um, it was Crooked Creek and asked if we could pull over so we can try to fish for bass. I was like, yeah, that's whatever. So we get out, he gets all rigged up and I'm doing my yoga thing. Cause that's used to, that was more of what I did before fishing. Now I'm, fishing's consumed me, fly <laughs> fishing. But, uh, I was doing yoga and I saw this dude like in the river, in the river, with one of those ribbon dancer pole things. And I was like, what is this guy doing? And of course, Joshua has got his like bait caster and he's just like, you know, zooming it out there. And I was like, okay, but then we got this guy that's doing something funky. And I mean, I couldn't help. I mean, obviously I was like ear hustling and like staring at him. So he he waited over to us and then got out and he's like, Hey, you want to try this? And I, of course, I look at Joshua because it was just such a random thing, you know. And I was like, yeah, of course, that, that looks awesome. I'm like, what is this? And he's like, it's fly fishing. But he was fly fishing for smallies, which I've also tried. Haven't landed one yet, but that's on my bucket list. But he comes over and he gives me his rod. And it's just like, it's so different than regular rods. So even just handling a fly rod was just, it was abnormal for me. So he's like, all right, you got to put your elbow in your ribs and you have to hold it up like the Statue of Liberty and then act like you're, you know, throwing it this way, that way. There's so many rules to it that it, at that moment, it was almost overwhelming because I was like, I'm going to screw this up. Like you were across the river ribbon dancing and now there's all these rules. <laughs> so <laughs> I tried a few swings and I liked it. And, uh, I get home and Joshua, we're actually on the whole way. We're talking about it. And he's like, well, is that something you like to do? And I'm like, yeah, it's much more interesting than watching someone with like a crappie rig with a bunch of poles sticking out or standing in one spot. That just looks like I'm more active and I can keep my uh, attention span on that activity. And um, he ended up buying me a pla- a practice fly rod. So it's a, I wish I had it in here so I can kind of show you, but it's a rod. It's got yarn in it. And it's just practicing how it feels because there's no hook on it. 
So you can practice it indoors or outdoors. Um, and you're just getting the movement down. And he would tell me over and over, act like you are holding a paintbrush and you're wanting to flick the paint on the wall, flick the paint on the wall. And I just kept practicing. And once I landed my first rainbow trout, then I was like, all right, I'm addicted. Like, I love it. The thrill of it. It was just awesome. And I've been doing it ever since. It really only takes one. I feel like, especially with, with fly fishing, because like until it happens and you know, I've, I've, I've got two fish on the fly. Uh, so far I've got that, that mountain whitefish we were talking earlier, that teeny tiny mountain whitefish <laughs> that almost didn't land because it was too small. The hook kept falling through the holes in the net. <clears throat> and I caught a pretty good sized rainbow, uh, on it. I call it the white claw fly. Um, because guy, white claw. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave, I gave a guy and his girlfriend who was, they were, they were out just swimming at the river. Uh, I gave him and his girlfriend a couple of white claws out of my cooler and nice. he comes, comes back like uh, an hour later, waves me over and he gives me his own like custom, like hand tied fly that he made specifically for this location. And, and he's like, Hey man, you know, thanks so much for those. That was awesome of you here. Have this. And I ended up the next day catching my second fish, that good old rainbow. Nice. Uh, so it, it will forever be dubbed the white claw fly. The um, white claw fly. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something there's just something different about that fight on a fly rod too and the action pulling it in and the I don't know it's just it's so much more intense than than anything I ever on a bait caster or spin reel or anything like that and I, it's hard to even describe like I don't even know how I'd describe why it's different I think it's the movement you are it's constantly moving so like even if you're drifting or swinging um you are I mean you can either do the indicator or the draft fly, but it just depends on what you're dropping, but you're watching it and then you see it sucked down. And then for me, it's so hard for me not to miss the hook set. So sometimes I'll just like pull my rod the wrong way and I know what I'm doing. And it's like, no. And then you're trying to like get it right back out there mm -hmm. because I think it's because there's multiple fish. It's in a stream. Um, you're, you get to repeat the, those chances. Unlike a bass, if you miss, like if you're throwing a frog and you miss the blow up, that's it. You're not going to, I mean, they might, they're, they're ferocious. Like bass are so much different, but with rainbow trout, um, it is more delicate, but you just have the more the opportunities you can wade up and down. And like you said, it's just completely different. It's, I think it's also, there's just, there's little to no downtime. I mean, mm -hmm. comparatively, yeah, you may get a little downtime. Like if you're on a really long drift or something, you know, you've right. got a good spot and you can, I mean, you know, you can drift it way down. It's moving slow or something like that. But even then you're, you're constantly like on, right. Like there's not, you're, you're focused. And, you know, I talked, I talked with a buddy of mine, uh, you know, a handful of episodes back recently about that. Like it was always like, I used to surf and it's that same thing to where, yeah, it's downtime, but it's this ultra focused, like you can't let your mind wander because the second you do, then you miss that hook set. You miss that, <laughs> yes. like, mm -hmm. and yeah, I've done this. I've, I've ended up with my, with my damn fly in a tree so many times because I get, 
I miss the hook set, but I still go for it. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like so close, but not. <laughs> I can only imagine like somebody watching me. They're like, that dude's like five minutes after that fish struck and he's still trying to set that hook. My fly is like, <laughs> my fly is like a hundred yards upstream at this point, like or behind me in a tree at this right. point. So I'm like, ah! <laughs> it's the wall. It's like, oh my God, who's looking? Because it's either I always have the walk of shame and people catch me doing that, like throwing it up in their face, or I fall in. I cannot tell you how many times I have fallen in and then it hurts my ego a little bit because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's witnesses. <laughs> I don't care if I got a little wet because it's summer and it's hot, but the witnesses. <laughs> So far, I've been pretty good. I don't think I've, I mean, I've fallen in a handful of times just walking to a spot, but not so far, not like fighting a fish or, uh, or trying to set the hook or anything. Um, but I also, I'll admit, I get way too self-conscious. And so if anybody's fishing the area I'm fishing, unless they've like actively come up to me and been like, hey, let me. Like, you look like an idiot. Let me show you a few things. <laughs> like, I'll be kind of like, I'm just going to go around this bend where they can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm, like, I've got the casting thing down pretty well, I feel like. like. I mean, I can generally get it. But then every so often, I swear my whole brain just shuts down. And I'm it like... Does. I'm like, I have a rod and reel. Woo! What am I doing with this thing? (laughs) When I whip it around. (laughs) No, that happens though. Like there is something, like if there like if I feel any kind of pressure, I am the most confident person. And people tell me all the time, like, Joshua is six foot five. So they think that I must be around six foot in the photos because just the way like I'm always got my shoulders back, I'm standing up straight. So people just think I've got loads of confidence in the and maybe that's the military. But <laughs> once, once I'm on the river and I see someone, my go-to cast is a roll cast. I perfected it. I don't know why. I don't know. I have no idea. The other cast, I won't do if there's like witnesses that are too close. Like it's not <laughs> the same way. Like I want to get around a bend where no one can see me and then get a few strips out. And then I'm like, all right, I can overhaul this. I got this. And then I'll get a rhythm and it's good. But once I see someone looking, I'm like, ah. Oh, Shoot, roll cast. <laughs> so it's funny, you know, I'm still like we talked, I'm still learning kind of a little the intricacies of like a roll cast versus spay casting, you know, and uh, false casting and this and that and the other. Yes. And so I kind of thought I was I was talking with someone and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of got the roll casting down, I think. And and this and that, they're like, yeah, man, I really want to get into spay casting or like learn to spay cast well and this and that. Yes. I was talking to them about it and they, and I looked it up and I'm like, oh, no, yeah, no, that's what I've been doing the whole time. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what I've been doing. I'm like, okay, well, I knew something. I, I guess I knew something I didn't know I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I invented this. <laughs> I'm the smartest man alive. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but it's like... It's just funny, you know, again, because I've, I've gone out with some very knowledgeable people and, um, and every time I go out with them, I learn something new. I'm super excited. And it's not even so much. It's the same thing with hunting for me. I love going out with smart people that will teach me things. And it's not even a matter of pride. The reason I don't do it as often, but I'm also the like, 
most easygoing guy and I like hate feeling like I'm putting people out. So it's so hard for me to be like, Hey, can I go fishing with you? Because I just, I don't want to like impose on them and I know they don't care, but there's this weird part in my head that doesn't like asking. Well, I think there's also a stigma and there shouldn't be just like you gave, you know, guy and girl, a white claw. There's a stigma too. It's like, um, should I intrude or invade? And I think that we should like if that guy never approached me. Um, when we were on our trip in the Ozarks, I wouldn't have even been able to touch a fly rod. I would, that wouldn't have sparked my interest. And like you're, you're saying a second ago about false casting and learning things from people. Our buddy Tanner, um, took us out on his drift boat and I thought I had to keep like false cast. And he's like, no, no, it's perfect. Just leave it. And I'm like, but that didn't look good. He's like, it doesn't matter. You're overthinking. <laughs> like the trout's not like, oh, that was beautiful. I'm going for that one. Like, <laughs> you know, just leave it. And then like, once you see it go under, then trout set it, hook set it, and then you're fine. So I think being a novice is awesome. And then having friends and just having the courage to ask for help because I mean, there's always a better way or a different technique or someone has something they love to do that they could teach it. But it's, um, it, it, I, I get that. Like my brain is like, shut up. Don't, don't ask. Don't, no, 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 don't do that. And it's like, no, I, I want to learn. And people love teaching or talking about themselves or talking about what they love. So I think we just have to figure out how to knock that stigma down. And, you know, I know there's always going, there's always going to be some people that just want to be out and they're like, please just leave me the hell alone. And usually you can pick up on that pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah. But for the most part, like I do have to remind myself that it is a very rare outdoorsman in any situation that doesn't want to sit down for like 15, 20 minutes and talk about what they're doing. Like Exactly. I mean, my... My whole brand is based on people wanting to talk about what they're doing. (laughs) That's right. So when, so as you got started, you know, you, uh, your boyfriend and now fiance picked up the, (laughs) what? Uh, (laughs) You know, he uh, picked up the practice rod for you. You know, you started in on that and that's something else, you know. That practice rod, and I, I've talked with some other people about, you know, getting started in fly fishing, and and we've talked about those practice rods are great because it's uh, either that or if you do pick up a rod, doing something similar where you just have your fly line and you don't even put a lead on it. You just tie a big old mm-hmm. uh, bright colored piece of felt or something on the end so you can see it. You can still get that motion without having to worry about jacking up your streamer or something. But, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> But uh, what were maybe some of the other, you know, you one of the things I like you mentioned is for you, it was flicking a paintbrush. But I think mm-hmm. there's always a different illustration that works. For me, the one thing that got stuck in my head was somebody uh, told me, just pretend like you're throwing a dart. Right, right. Every time you're going back, you're throwing a dart. And I feel like everyone has their own thing that'll, it's one of those things that just needs to click with you. And once it does, it makes a lot of sense. But what were maybe some of the other challenges you ran into? You know, you had uh, the practice rod. And then as you're getting into using the actual rod, what, what were some of the, the initial things that, that you found maybe difficult or that initially as you were learning, you're like, this is, this is kind of weird? I, to be honest, it's freaking tying the knot sometimes. <laughs> I would get so ticked off because once I would tie the knot, I thought I'd have to like cinch it more and it'd break off. And then, like, here I am for five hours on the side of the bank, like, just trying to get 
<laughs> you know, whatever, like my dry fly or whatever I'm trying to get tied on. And it just would, oh, it would drive me crazy. And that, you know, of course, Joshua helped me. He's like, no, you don't have to like just pull it apart. If it's like a, a, a five pounds uh, a line, you don't have to like give all your might to tighten it. So I think it's uh, trying to be over prepared or make sure it's really super tight. Honestly, a lot of my challenges are just overthinking it. Like instead of being in the moment and just enjoying it for what it is, I think sometimes we get caught up in overthinking it. But, uh, and even learning everything, like all the different weights of the rods, if it's a fast action, the length of the rod, and people are like, you like 10 care or whatever, or have you tried this? And it's just, once you get into it, and then it's like, oh my gosh, it's not as simple. There's just so many aspects. Or like you were saying, the spay casting, I would love to do that. And then there's all other forms and sinking line so there's a lot to learn and it goes back to just don't overthink it just kind of get comfortable for what works for you and then start learning more and branching out well and then you got to learn always to make sure you're washing your line right hey we just did that the other day <laughs> <laughs> you're doing you're doing that i remember you posted it up and I, I commented you know you posted it up you're like oh what do you think you're we're all doing and i'm like that's one of those things you tell like a new angler to do just to see if they'll do it and screw with them. <laughs> yeah. Oh right? yeah. No, when you get, when you get, when you get a new reel, you got to make sure to wash your line or else the fish are going to smell the store on it. It's like, wait, what? No, I swear. That's what. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. We got to think of something else too for like, the, like what to do with your actual reel. There, there probably are some good gags out there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like one of those things like once a week, it's like, uh, your lady angler tech tip for, uh, for the week. Um, yeah. <laughs> see what you need to do is you need to hype up your, uh, you need to hype up your, your dry flies and, and give them a good, uh, pep talk to make sure yes. that they're excited yeah. to be floating on the water or, you know, whatever that happens. To be. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny, you know, you bring up, uh, tying the knots and like, I grew up, yeah, we talked earlier, I grew up fishing and, so I've always kind of understood the knots. Like I, my grandpa taught me how to, how to time. My dad taught me how to time just that basic. Uh, I don't even, to be honest, I don't even know what the name of the knot is. It's got, I know it's got. I'm saying, yeah. But, um, and I'm sure somebody will, will comment on this and be like, you're an idiot. Uh, it's, <laughs> but um, I, so I always knew how to tie the knot, but with the dry flies, I get so aggravated because for the life of me, especially like the hoppers and stuff or like anything with like a lot of like fuzz and legs, I'm like, I'll end up with like somehow with like three of the legs tied into the damn knot. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, this thing doesn't even look like a, a bug anymore. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and it's if, the bug that came off your windshield. Like, uh, it's like yeah. missing bug parts. <laughs> Just scrape, just scrape them <laughs> off and throw them on the end of my line. Um, that's, that is my biggest aggravation. I will, I will sit for so long and I'll get the knot like, and I get weirdly. So I get probably aggressively conservative with my leaders. Like oh, to the yes. point where I'm like, I'm like, I have to get every quarter of an inch I can possibly get out of this leader. And so if I tie, tie it with a too much, uh, too much length on the end of the knot, I get really aggravated that I have to yeah, cut yes. off that much leader. And it's like not even half an inch that I'm cutting off, but I get but so, so irritated. <laughs> Cause I, let's face it. 
I lose a lot of flies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. And then if I like drop my another, like say I'm dropping a midge or something beneath like a dry fly. Um, I don't know. I can't tell you how many times I've done this. I've cut the wrong line instead of cutting. Oh. <laughs> I, I will cut what I was dropping. And I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> I am ruined. <laughs> I will never financially recover from this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've, I've, I finally, I finally told myself, I'm like, all right. I just really need to stack up and start buying leaders in bulk. And yes. <laughs> like, it's so true. But yeah, I, I, I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit how quickly I go through leaders with the amount. Okay. So, so speaking of that, here's something, and I would love your opinion on this. And this is something I struggle with. So I go to maybe a new spot or I'm fishing, I'm fishing a certain spot. I'm looking at, okay, this looks great. Um, you know, there's, there, there's levels changing. The water looks exactly like what it should look like for me to catch some fish. So I'm fishing it and nothing's happening. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, I got this whole section of the river and I can hike up and down it. There's, there's lots of good fishing on it. Do I, do I hike up and down using this same fly or do I switch flies, stay at this spot and then go to the next spot? Like that's, I couldn't, I could, I've never, I never know what to do in that situation. Like, do I, do I sit and swap out a bunch of flies in the same spot? Do I check other spots in the river? Like what's your, what's your go-to on that? Like, so it's difficult because I do both. Now, if it's um, like, if I know the river's flowing and I can see the little riffles and I know there's an eddy or a drop off or something where I know that there's a pool and there'll be trout there. It's just the timing of it. I had to, I had to change my presentation um, maybe make sure I don't have, I'm, I'm mending my line. So I don't have like a bunch of crap just floating and they're like, well, obviously I'm not going to bite that. Um, and I also look, um, I posted a photo a while back on my Instagram where I was flipping over a rock and people were like, what you actually do that? And I'm like, yeah. So I know like if, if there's more bugs or midges or I'll look on the top water, if there's a top water bite, if they're hopping around or if there's a hatch going on just to be cognitive of what's, what they want because essentially they're eating something like they're in there eating something. So yes, I would change it up. And then if that didn't work, my ADHD, I'm like, okay, I, something inside of me, I have to catch a fish. So obviously that's what I'm here for. So I'll move downstream or whatever it may be and just try another spot. So you'll typically, you'll typically swap flies once or twice though, before moving on to a new spot, you think? Um, I would say like once. <laughs> because I hate taking up time tying my fly. Now, I know there might be people, I'll probably get some slack for that, and eventually I'll get better, Um, but I'm just too, that whole ADHD and compulsiveness, like I have to go down. There's there's something better, so I don't want to waste time tying right there. If I already know it's something that should be what they want to be biting on, or if if it's a hatch or something, then I'm like, no, I'm just, this isn't the spot, and I'll move down, but... Yeah, I'd say at least once, maybe twice. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny because I, I feel the same way a lot of the times. Like if I'm not actively fishing, I feel like I'm wasting yes. wasting time. Right, right. And I'm like, dear Lord, I'm fishing from sunup to sundown. Like I can spend like the five <laughs> or six minutes <laughs> it takes me to swap out a fly or to... <laughs> Your Lord, like, honestly, let's look at the big picture here, Sam. Like, right? <laughs> but then I'm afraid, like, if I go to the bank 
and like somebody might come and get my spot. Like there's just, <laughs> I don't know the way my mind works. And then I can't, if I'm like, if I'm not there, I can't see them flash. So yep. there might be one that would have flashed, but if I'm on the bank, I'm not going to, yeah, my mind. Ooh, yes. <laughs> well, there's that or like, it's always guaranteed. And, and that's the one time, you know, you go, you go back to the bank or even you just take a moment, you pull in your line, you know, you're checking something, you're, you're just doing anything but casting. And then you see them start striking, like you, or you see that really big one just hit hit a big old Drake or something on top of the, <laughs> yes. on top of the water. And you're like, Son of a, that was mine. Should have <laughs> been mine. My, that was my PB. I know it. <laughs> that was the only fish in this entire river. And I just missed it. Uh, <laughs> Breaks rod over me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess I got to go back to the truck now and get the other rod. Uh, uh, <laughs> So what are maybe some of the uh, some of the other challenges or some of the other initial things you learned as you were as you were just initially getting into this kind of maybe some of the important important stuff for somebody just getting into fly fishing to consider as they're getting their start? The biggest thing is handling the fish. Um, We want everyone to enjoy fly fishing. And I think. It's great, you know, uh, catch, photo, release. They use it in the bass world, same thing, or catch and release. Just get your moment with your your fish, whatever species you caught, and let them breathe. Like, put them back in the water. Don't handle them much because you don't want to get all their slimy stuff off. Um, That's the biggest thing. So that way, another fisherman can enjoy that same fish that you caught. And, um, I mean, that yeah, that's my biggest takeaway. (laughs) You know, that's something, you know, that was new for me, like, catch and release fishing was never something I ever did. Like unless, unless we're talking like Jack pulling for bluegill in a cattle pond when it's, when then it's just like (laughs) you got hot dogs and you're just like dropping it in, pulling them out. You're like, all right, got one. You like, don't eat, you don't even grab the fish. You just kind of flick it off the line and you catch the same fish, like probably 10 times by the end of the night. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. But like catch and release was never a thing for me because I grew up, fishing for stocked rainbow trout in a lake, those things would be fried up an hour later, you know? And (laughs) I feel like for a lot of fly fishing and depending on, you know, this was something I talked, talked about with a guy up at uh, the Ashland fly shop in Oregon. Um, was talking about the difference too, between the native fish and the stocked fish and a lot of lakes and rivers, you'll get both and how to tell the difference. And um, he's like, stock fish. Yeah. Catch them, keep them, fry them up, do whatever you want with them. But those, the native fish, Keep them wet, let them stay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let them stay, help rebuild those populations. And uh, I always thought that was a good rule of thumb because still I'm like, I'm the kind of guy, I don't eat a lot of fish, but if I, I do like eating some that I catch. And yes. so I try and keep an eye out and, and keep an eye out for those, for those native fish that don't have the, uh, what is it? The adipose fin, I want to say is the name for it. Um, typically with the stock fish, they'll cut the adipose fin. And you'll see it like the on the back. You'll see it. You'll see it docked. And oh. if somebody's probably going to write me and tell me, yeah, that's not quite accurate. But I think that's what well, it is. And that's interesting. I don't. I've not heard that yet. So I definitely want to look into it. Typically, just because where we are in Arkansas, we fly fish the little red mainly. Uh, we want to get up to the white, um, but they're always generating. And what I mean by that is um, our river. I mean it's dammed up, so the water levels are always too high for us to be able to safely wade out there we don't have a boat so we only wet wade fish or if it's the winter we um have our waders on 
Um, but I was told that the smaller ones, the colors aren't as vibrant, they're fingerlings. And if it's, and it helps with the population as well. So I get that. Um, especially the native part. When we were in Colorado, seeing all those native, oh my God, I fell in love with Alpine lakes. And I could, it's like sight fishing. I've never had that before because the water is so clear and we can see the cut though everywhere. So it's like, it's, it's like Mario Kart, but not like, I, like, I don't know how to, like I'm waiting for them like to smash my banana or whatever, and go, but it was just so awesome being able to see the fish. You know, they're vibrant, they're hungry. I, oh, it was amazing. It's I'm I'm super excited because I'm I'm heading down for my elk trip there in Arizona right now. Um, mm-hmm. As you can you probably tell, I'm in a lovely hotel room. You probably tell by the uh, the fantastic uh, <laughs> grandma's curtains. Grandma's curtains behind me, exactly. Um, <laughs> on my I'm on my way to Arizona for elk, and after my elk trip, I'm heading up to Colorado for and I've I've got a lot of good friends up there who are and I introduce you to. Uh, to one of them, Katie Berger, uh, Fish yes, Untamed. Yes. And so I'm super excited. I'm going to go uh, fishing with her and her boyfriend. And then uh, I got some other buddies up there, uh, Basin and Bend. He he runs the Basin and Bend shop up in Colorado. And so I am super excited to head up and do some fly fishing in Colorado with some serious experts. And I actually, to the point of, I'm having Mike over at No Leaf actually ship my net that I just won to Colorado. Give him some love because those nets are y'all. If you go check out no leaf clover on Instagram, they're definitely probably want to find out if you're super into fly fishing before you buy one. They're (laughs) they're a bit of an investment, but they're the most beautiful nets I've ever seen in my life. Like hands down. And he's always recording the process. He's into it and he's, he's engaged like in all his followers Dude's legit. Yeah. We love us a mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm actually having him ship that net over to Katie, Katie's place so I can use it while I'm in Colorado nice. fishing. So I'm super excited about that. And so, you know, your Colorado trip uh, looked like it was pretty successful and it had, uh, you know, some little extra special memories. Uh. <laughs> I got engaged. Yes. So Joshua, one thing I know, uh, drinking at high altitudes my lord oh, that's always fun that's <laughs> yeah. always a surprise and i forget about that <laughs> yes so we were traveling we got we got there i think it was like a 16 hour drive or something ridiculous so we got us there and i'm a very active person like i said i mean it's yoga or running or working out i've done fitness competitions like i'm i'm just naturally i'm an active person so we get out of the truck. I know I'm getting sidetracked, but this is funny. We get out of the truck and he's like, all right, sweets, um, we'll go ahead and set up. So we got the truck level and we've got a Yakima Skyrise HD um, rooftop tent that folds out. So I'm getting like, I literally, all I did was get out of the passenger side, do a, a Chinese fire drill around the truck and then hop into the bed of the truck. And I was like, <sighs> I was like, I need a second. And he's like, it's okay. And I'm like, something's wrong with me. And he's like, no, it's the aptitude. And I was like, but I can't breathe. <laughs> and it was just, it was so odd because I'm like, is my body failing me? How does altitude really affect this? And it, it did. I mean, it was instant that it happened. 
And then I got like lightheaded and he's like, do you need a beer? And I like, I took two sips and I'm like, I think I'm drunk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is, I don't know what's going I, on. <laughs> I love that. That's the question. Like, Oh, I'm lightheaded. I think my body's failing me. Do you need a beer? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, you you know, you found your person when. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it's also like, it's, he knows like if I'm, if I, sometimes I get grumpy, it's like, do you need a snack? Like, oh, do you need a, <laughs> do you need a hug? Are you, it's like a puppy thing. <laughs> like, feed it. <laughs> give feed it a little it, pet. water it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, he waited. I'm so glad he asked at the beginning of our trip. We went seven days with no showers. Luckily, we had wet wipes. <laughs> so my military training went into effect because I'm great about taking the uh, field showers. But uh, it was the second day we were on the lake, and uh, I mean, he had a couple. I had a couple. The video is hilarious because I'm sitting down, and we're, we're always propping our cameras, so I didn't think anything of it. So he propped his camera, and he comes over to me, and I pop open a beer, and he's like standing there awkwardly, he's like <laughs> he was about to ask. So I'm like, cracking a beer. <laughs> Right. So I, I popped open my beer and I had a bag of, was it Gordettos or Gordettos? Those, um, I always eat all the bagel chips first. So I was like, you want a snack? So like he shoves food in his mouth and I'm like <laughs> gulping a beer. And so now you can see in the video, like he's trying to chew really fast and I'm just in my own zone. And, um, uh, he's got this ornate fly box. I wish I had it in here and he's messing with it. I still don't think anything. I'm just like, cool. He got a cool fly box and he gets down, <laughs> he gets down on his knee and I've got my beer and I was like, Oh my gosh. So I got to put, put my beer down. And, <laughs> and, uh, he was so nervous. One of our dear friends, Stephanie was like, you need to have five parts to your speech of asking her to marry you. And he goes, well, will you marry me? And later on we, we tased cause it was five words, five parts of his speech. <laughs> and, uh, I'm excited. I'm crying. We can't figure out what, like if he was supposed to put the ring on my finger or if I'm supposed to, obviously we're new at this. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so like a, a little awkward moment goes by and he's like, so was that a yes? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes. Like, I forgot to say yes, but it was oh. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me, let me think about it. We'll, yeah. we'll see how the rest of the trip goes first. This is going to be a long trip. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's awesome. That is absolutely fantastic. Congratulations on Oh, thank that. you. But, <laughs> yeah, and I know uh, that altitude, that altitude will mess with you for sure. <laughs> Boy. Well, and I don't know if it really helped or not. One of my buddies for an early birthday gift, because um, this trip was a birthday trip, bought me some wilderness, it was wilderness athlete, um, some high altitude. And I started taking it three days prior. And I don't know if that helped, but it, it suppressed it because that first night when we did have a few brews, I was just so sick and I kept having to sit up in bed. So it was like the worst being drunk in your life, but you're mm -hmm. not drunk. It was just the worst feeling. And then the second leg of our trip, we went down into a valley and we decided we didn't like fishing that river. We want to go back to Alpine lakes. And when we got back up to that high altitude again, I was kind of nauseous, but I don't know if that stuff works. It felt like it worked, but it might've just, I don't know. See, I've got, I've got some similar stuff from mountain ops that I take, I think, and I don't, you know, I, I think they say to take it like 
for five days before. Right. And then you like double the dose and take it like while you're there. Exactly. And I know it's helped a little bit. Like I've, I've just kind of always taken it. And the, the <laughs> few times, and I, and I've noticed it's worse when I don't take it. Um, okay. But I, I've never been, had enough courage to like do a side-by-side test where I'm like, I'd rather just not risk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of times like this. Uh, two years ago, I, I did Colorado for elk and where my buddy took me, he had this spot that he swore up and down about and uh, we didn't have the best luck there because uh, it was a weird year in Colorado. But um, we parked at 11,000 feet and we were hunting at like 14... I think 14 to 14 to 16,000 feet. I'd, I'd, I'd have to look again wow. but to the point where we were looking down and seeing mountain goats, <laughs> like a thousand feet below us. Wow. Um, like, <laughs> and I just remember like, especially the first few nights I, when I acclimate, I sleep. Okay. But the first few nights I sleep like garbage at altitude. And then I, but the entire time, like we would walk up a slight slope, hundred yards up a slight slope. And my heart would be racing like I just tried to run a damn marathon. Yeah. Heart's racing because, you know, it's trying to get your blood, get oxygenated. And you're not getting, your blood's not getting oxygenated. It's trying to pump it through and your heart's just going. And I'm like, I feel legitimately like I'm dying right now. And then (laughs) every time I go to Montana, I end up going and having a couple of beers with some friends. And the first time I go out, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can have like three or four beers over the course of a night and I'll be fine. I'm like two beers in and I'm like, woo, yeah, feeling good. <laughs> it's awful. You've always been, no, what is it from Super Troopers? You've always been La- Mexico. Or- you guys, you boys like Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're out there doing donuts. Well, so I grew up in Southern California. Mm-hmm. I, I, would say that that is not the first time I've legitimately well, somewhat intoxicated suggested we go to Mexico. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's those are some uh, completely different stories. That was back when you could just like cruise down to Mexico on a whim Mm -hmm. and like, anyway. Um, (laughs) So one thing I always kind of like to wind down with is, you know, say you, say you run into someone somewhere and they find out that you're uh, you know, you love, you love fly fishing. You love the outdoors. Um, and they go to you and they're like, you know what? I've always wanted to learn to fly fish, right? You know, I've always wanted to spend more time in the outdoors, but like, it's kind of intimidating. There's a lot to learn. You know, I don't have any friends to do it or any history of it. Like, how do I, you know, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I don't know. Maybe it's not mm-hmm. for me. What, what words of encouragement or like uh, advice would you give someone in that situation? It's actually, telling myself right now um you know the master was once a beginner like you have to be a beginner at everything at some point in your life you just have to go for it and I mean it was the same thing when I would go hiking people would come across me and they're like aren't you afraid you're by yourself and I was like well no I'm I've got something on me and then I've got my dogs but no like I I can't not live my life and when people are intimidated about the fly fishing I've had so many um men reach out to me and say that their wives have been inspired or even girls have reached out to me or they see me on the river. I had someone, uh, she recognized me cause I had my floppy hat on <laughs> and she's like, I swear I saw you on the river. I was like, that was me. And she's like, why well, do I want to be awkward? I'm like, no, do it because we don't, 
um, even see women out there. So I just do it. If, if you need encouragement, I'm always there. I'm very supportive. Like I, I'm actively engaged in people. I send them videos, tips and everything like that, just because I would hate for someone to not discover their passion or not fully live their life just because of that little voice telling them they can't like there's so much to live for now and to be in that moment that you just have to go for it. Well, and it's, you know, I, I love, I love the way you phrase that talking about somebody not finding their passion, not living their life. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like you, you've been through the same kind of transformation that I have in that you discovered this thing and it, absolutely has taken over your life like it is to some extent it kind of is your life now it's, it is it's it's what you identify with and you know if years ago like you'd ask me you know who I am what I identify with I would have given you a litany of things and and this mm-hmm. and that and the other and it would have been this and it's like now you know you ask me and I'm like oh well I, it comes down to like I'm passionate about the outdoors and bow hunting and fishing and uh and it's like, it's simple. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not this like whole litany of things. And, and not everyone's going to be like that. Not everyone's going to have that same situation. People may discover that it's not for them. Right. It's not for everyone, but uh, to, like you said, to give into that little voice in your head for the sake, just because you're a little bit scared, you're a little bit intimidated to not try something that could then turn into, I mean, has the potential to turn into one of your greatest passions. That's mm-hmm. a shame right there. It really is. And it's just, I mean, if you can even relate it in layman terms, it's like going to the gym. You don't know how to use that equipment off the bat, but you're going to figure it out and you're going to learn. It's the same thing with, you know, I would say with hunting or fishing, you just have to try. And I would hate for someone not give themselves permission to just try it. If you don't like it, you don't like it, but don't be intimidated and do not give in to that voice. Just go out there and do it. Awesome. Well, if folks wanted to follow along with all the shenanigans on the water, where can they find you? At Lady Angler Lance. On the Instagrams. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and it's L-E-N-T-Z. It's like you have lint in your pocket, but with a Z. That makes sense. And it's really weird. And an an N and an L. And an L and an Uh, L-E-N-T-Z. Alien. Yeah. yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the reading rainbow? <laughs> <laughs> reading rainbow. rainbow. Oh my gosh! With what? Uh, Lavar Burton. Uh, good old Jordy LaForge from Star Trek. There's my there's my nerd nerd side coming out. Um, oh man. I'm going to be on YouTube later today, but (laughs) thank you so much for taking the time. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. I hope it wasn't as terrifying as you initially expected being on a Uh, podcast to be. (laughs) It was nerve wracking, but like, like I said, I obviously have been following you. I love your stories. And I was like, you know, if I want to do it, like Samuel's the guy, like this is the guy (laughs) to get my toes in the water and it's going to be just fine. And um, you know, there's some like a little bit of nerve wracking. I've been messing, like fiddling with my pen and stuff, but overall awesome experience. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. All right, y'all that'll do it for this episode of the wild initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at the wild initiative.com slash one get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors and plan your initiative for the wild. 
Thank you for listening to the Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. So I am going to... It says leave meeting. now. I'm kidding. <laughs> panic! Panic! I have a bad internet connection. I, I need something crunchy. <laughs> I can see you making the noise.